0: Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or Go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom
1: come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread.
0: And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.
1: And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hey, I'm Matt Silver, one of the pastors here at Experience Christian Church. Thank you for investing this time with us today. I want to start with a question. When was the last time you heard or said the Lord's Prayer? Go ahead and put that in the chat form. The prayer has the power to take you back somewhere, to a place, to an experience. It could be something positive. Maybe this was something you said weekly as a child, or even as an adult at a different church, or maybe it was at a school you grew up in, and it just brings back a lot of joy. Maybe that same experience brings back a different emotion. Maybe it takes you back to a service, like a funeral service, and it brings you a sense of peace. Maybe that same prayer brings a sense of heaviness. Well, the first thing I'd like you to do is just pay attention. As I read this prayer to the emotions and stirrings you may feel. And I'll read it now. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one and that's found in Matthew 6 9-13 the version we read and you may be wondering where's the rest of it like there's an ending i'm used to saying but this prayer jesus wrote is or jesus spoke it's both recorded in both matthew and luke's gospels but either one of those have that ending you're familiar with so where did it come from well it was derived from chronicles a book in the old testament that's where it was believed to have come from and it was added on just as a sense of closure to repeat the pattern of that so it's not a wrong thing to say it's just not something that Jesus recorded, which is why it's not part of what we're discussing in this series. Those extra words aren't a bad conclusion. It's okay. If you like saying it that way, keep on doing it. The second and bigger thing you may be thinking about is, what does it even mean to pray? You know, prayer is a common part of everyday language, but it means so, such different things to different people. Maybe for you, saying a prayer is reciting something you have memorized. I remember as a child learning, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Honestly, that prayer had me a little freaked out when I was young, I didn't like saying that one, but there are adults who still say it to this day and love that prayer. For us at lunch, sometimes we would say the God is great, God is good, and we thank him for this food. By his hands, we all be fed, give us Lord our daily bread. That was a prayer we would say on the regular, and that one, that was pretty good. I still say parts of it, even to this day. But maybe prayer is something you do in desperate times. It's not something uh, that you recite. It's just something you kind of say when you feel like you're at the end of your rope. You're like, God help me. Or man, God help this friend as you read some terrible news that they had received. Maybe that's what it is for you, it's little breath prayers. It's just these statements that you just feel like you need to cry out to God in a moment. You're like, help me Jesus, Father forgive them. Maybe you've said this one, Lord give them some common sense. (laughs) I used to be on the receiving end of that one a lot. But maybe prayers are something you do, uh, that maybe some prayer is something that you don't do because you don't feel qualified to do so. You'd rather ask someone else to pray for you because you're just not sure your prayer measures up. And maybe on the other end of the spectrum you pray regularly. Wherever you find yourself on this topic, many of us may even feel a little confused on what prayer is. You know, prayer, it can come off as a complicated thing, but prayer is simply any time that you communicate with God. It doesn't matter how you communicate. Prayers can be spoken out loud. Prayers can be written down. Prayers can be thoughts directed towards God because He knows your thoughts. Prayers can be sung. Prayers can be read silently or out loud to God by using the writings of others to inspire you. It doesn't matter the posture you're in either. Some people think, oh, should I be kneeling, sitting, standing? Is it okay to pray laying down before I go to sleep? It's really good that you just pray. Some people pray with their eyes closed people pray with their eyes open. I don't like it when people pray with their eyes closed when they're driving or walking. That's dangerous. I don't like people when they pray with their eyes open at the dinner table, at least my kids, because they like to rat each other out. But whether you have your eyes open or closed, it doesn't matter. You can pray while you're walking or driving or just going out in the woods. Whatever you find yourself doing, it's okay to pray. It's simply a time when you communicate with God. There are billions of ways to pray because there are billions of different people on this planet. But prayer for all of us, it's a deeply personal topic, isn't it? Maybe you question if prayer makes any difference at all. All of us know with 100% certainty that prayer does not always give us the outcome we want. As a pastor, I've talked to people that remember their last prayer. It was at a desperate moment. They pleaded out to God and they did not get the answer they wanted, and so they've come to the conclusion that either God doesn't exist, He doesn't care, or He doesn't have the capacity to answer the kind of prayers that they need answered. Some of us we pray but don't like asking for big things because we're not sure we can handle disappointment if God says no. Some of us don't pray because we don't think our lives we think our lives are just too messed up and does God actually want to hear from me? Or maybe I'll clean myself up first and then I'll start praying to him in a little while. Others we pray to God out of a sense of obligation or compulsion, rather than a connection with God. It's just a ritual that we do just so we feel good. It's a pattern before bed, it's a pattern before we eat a meal. It's just a pattern that we went into, but really doesn't lend ourselves to communicate with God a deeply way. Well, all of us, wherever we find ourselves on that prayer continuum, we can find ourselves wanting a deeper desire to pray, I'm gonna say better, more intimately, more consistently. I've talked to people that pray for, have prayed for decades and they're like, I still wish I could get to a deeper place. Well, friends, regardless of where you find this uh, time that we're in together, I hope that you'll just invest in this series that we're doing now. This prayer is focused on the Lord's model prayer that He gave us. It's not the only prayer, it's not the only prayer model you find in Scripture, but it'll get us to think about prayer in a new way. You know, this prayer may be one that you've said as a child, you've had memorized, but you haven't taken the time to slow down and think through the words. Well, that, I'm welcome, and I'm glad that you're here. So let's dive into this prayer. I've taught this prayer as a single sermon before but it just didn't give us the time to dig in deep enough to the content. So first let's discuss why is this called the Lord's Prayer. And here Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. And this prayer is also recorded in Luke's gospel account and provides us with a little bit more background than Matthew. Luke tells us that while Jesus was teaching about prayer in the first place, or why he was teaching the disciples about prayer in the first place, excuse me, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus had just finished praying, and they walked up to him and asked him that question. You know, in all Bible, it doesn't record the disciples asking Jesus to teach them to do anything else. They didn't say, hey Jesus, teach us how to do miracles, or Jesus, teach us how to be better leaders. No, the only thing they asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. And I think that's ironic, because as Jewish boys, they would have known how to pray. They would have known prayers that they could recite at any time, and those were probably good prayers. But nevertheless, when they saw Jesus, how he came back from a time of prayer, how he was able to, I guess, just withstand so much persecution from so many people, all the energy it took to minister to such large crowds, I believe what they saw with him was something supernatural. And that's why they ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Well, This week, we're going to be focusing on a single verse, and that's Matthew 5, 9. And there, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Notice that Jesus says <clears throat> this then is how you should pray. He does not say this is what you should pray. Or as the ESV English Standard Version says, pray then like this. Jesus doesn't say pray this. He says like this. You know, this prayer is designed to be a how to pray model, not a what to pray script. Now some traditions, they say this prayer word for word, verbatim. And that's okay. It's not a bad thing especially if while you're reciting it, it takes you to the deeper meaning found in the text. But what's important is to take the time and process each of these parts and understand the significance of their words. The focus needs to be on the topics that's discussed, not just sharing the words arbitrarily with no heart connection. I was listening to a pastor who was giving a sermon and he talked about how he's been saying this prayer for four decades. He was He uh, he took back to high school when he started it. He was a speaker at a youth conference, and he was supposed to deliver a message to his peers. And as a high school student, he was a little nervous about it. So he went to his mentor and said, hey, I have this speaking gig. And his mentor said, why don't we meet every morning at six o'clock to pray together? Because you're really gonna need to cover this in prayer before you get up there and say something. He then thought to himself, what time do you wanna meet? And the guy said, let's meet at 6 a.m. And he was a high school kid, so he's like, Killing me a little later, <laughs> but he'd agreed to meet with him because he really wanted to know it. And the mentors said that they would be going through this Lord's Prayer, and it will take about an hour. And so that young pastor, who wasn't a pastor at the time, he started doing the math. He's thinking, "Our oh, Father in heaven, I'll be your name." That prayer takes about a minute to say. What are we going to do? Say it a bunch of times? And he said, "No, we're going to use this as a model," and he's been doing that continually for over 40 years. And that's what this is this is a model prayer and so jesus begins it by recognizes calling us to recognize who we're talking to jesus begins the prayer by acknowledging who god is our father in heaven Hallowed be your name when jesus said that we should personally call god father this was revolutionary you know god as a personal father to every person was a radical idea god was known as a father to the collective people of israel but the term abba that's a term that Jesus used, that's something you'd say to your dad one-on-one and privately. Yet, Jesus is using it in this prayer. So let me ask you, what did you call your dad? Take a minute and type it in the chat form. And I have one caveat. Make sure this is the kind of name you'd say when you loved him. It was an endearing term, not when you were mad at him. My kids, they all have different names for me, but my son, he just recently started calling me DA. At the same time, he started calling my wife Carrie, M-O-M. Why? I don't get the extra letter? I don't know, but hey, I'll take it. But what did you call your dad? Was it dad, daddy, pop? Have you ever called God that? It's an interesting question, isn't it? In college, I was in class with a guy who began all his prayers in class by calling God, Papa God. He'd say, Papa God, we come to you today, and it was interesting. It took me a while to get used to. I considered it a little irreverent at first, but then I realized that's really how he talks, and he used that same parental term, to show his intimacy with God, and that's the big point. Our Father shows that God is intimate, that we can approach God the way a child approaches their dad. Mark Driscoll said in the sermon in the Lord's Prayer, he says, if you want to learn how to pray, don't watch a religious person. Watch a child in love with their dad talk to them. Now, None of my children have ran up to me and said, gracious, benevolent Father, may I beseech thee for an additional hour of screen time? Honestly. I'd be impressed. I'd probably give it to them just because they talk that way. But what do they say? Well, they each have their own unique word for me. And even how they say it. Quinn says, Daddy. Nate says, Dad. And Ian now says, "da." I love it. And Jesus is calling us to see and interact with God the same way, uniquely, as we would a loving father. Now I need to say, God loves his children the way every perfect father should love their children. Admittedly, This is a terrible analogy for some because, well, their interactions with their parents weren't good ones. But rest assured, this is imperfect analogy for all of us because none of us had perfect fathers. You know, as a dad on my best day, I still fall short to love my children the way God loves them. And please understand, God is an even greater father than the father you wish you had. Two texts come to mind about how well God knows us and cares for us. First is he knows us on the outside, Matthew ten thirty says, "Even the very hairs on your head are all numbered." Now, for some of you, this isn't a complex formula, but nevertheless, he knows us, hair, warts, and all, and still chooses to love us. But not only does he see us on the outside, he sees our inside as well. Jeremiah 10, 17, 1 <clears throat> sorry, Jeremiah ten seventeen says, "I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind." To reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. God knows us inside and out, and He can peer in our heart. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. That's intimacy. However, God is not only intimate, He's ultimate. God is seen as ultimate in these two phrases found in verse 9. The first one is when Jesus says, in heaven, this refers both to God's closeness, like the air we breathe, the atmosphere but also the cosmic, as in heaven and earth. In the Bible, the word heaven, it's used to describe both the physical part of the universe and the dwelling place of God. For us, this helps us see God that he's both close enough to peer into our hearts, but also he's grand enough to hold the edges of the universe together. That takes our breath away, or at least it should. But also, it's a mystery to this. We can say it, but we cannot quite comprehend it. It's mind-blowing to fathom that God is intimate enough to see inside us, to see inside me, to see my heart, and also be able to look into your heart as well, all the while holding this world together. It's okay that it's mind-blowing. It's okay that we can't grasp this. A God that I can fully understand is really too small to be the kind of God worth worshiping. The second way Jesus says this, that he is ultimate, is when he says, Hallowed be your name." And this is about God's otherness, that there's nothing like our God. Hollowed isn't a term we use very often. Maybe you've heard it in Halloween, but hallowed has a different verse, a different meaning, and it means to render sacred, to consecrate, to set apart, or to make holy. So why is this term still in our text if we don't use it? Well, because when the English versions first came out, centuries ago, people had already been saying it, and so they didn't want to lose that word. So it really forces us all to stop and think, what does hollowed mean? But what it points to is that God is ultimate. He has no rivals. He's holy. He's perfect. He does the right thing all the time, that he can't do anything evil. He can never break a promise or change his character. You know, our earthly parents, they had limits, just like we do. They would change their mind. They would lose their cool. And sometimes they didn't do the right thing just simply because they didn't feel like doing it. Hey, can you take me to the mall? No, I'm busy. What are you busy doing? I'm resting. They didn't have limitless energy. But our God, He has none of those qualities. He's above us. Hollowed is His name. He's ultimate. Our God can do everything that helps us. This week our big takeaway is to remember who we're praying to: a God that cares for us deeply, a God that can do anything, move any mountain, overcome any obstacle, and a God that is worthy to be praised. Here's what I'm convinced. As we focus on who we're praying to, We focus less on ourselves and more on Him. This series isn't about simply learning a new prayer model. It's about developing our communication with God. If you want to improve your prayer life, focus on the God you're praying to, not praying itself. I want to encourage you to focus on learning who God is because the more you focus on God's character, the more you'll open up and talk to Him. You'll trust Him with the deepest parts of your soul and you'll reveal to Him the parts that He already sees in the first place. So let me ask you, What would your prayer life be like if you really devoted time to reflect on His goodness and talk to Him about it? Try and see what happens. You know, in Christianity we have a term for this and we call it worship. Worship is focused on who God is and the reasons He is worthy to be praised. And your prayer time could start with little elements of that. Maybe you listen to worship music, maybe you don't. But what would happen this week is if you just took time every day and listened to one worship song, just to hear how it describes God. Maybe what you could do is you could just include a time where you take a walk and you look at God's goodness through creation. You could look at, well, I don't want to say those, uh, what are these bugs that are everywhere called? I'm going blank on the name. But you know the mean ones I'm talking about that don't do anything other than annoy us and kill trees? That one. Spotted lantern flies, that's it. Maybe it's not those. They're beautiful, even though they're awful. But look about the sun. Feel the warmth of the sun and say, man. This is warming and comforting. But then also respect the power of the sun, how ultimate its power is, that if you stare at it, it will burn your retinas. And then just stop and pause long enough to say, there was a God who created that sun. That's amazing. We begin to think how personal and powerful God is, that he's both intimate and ultimate. It reframes our thinking. Our problems then become smaller. And even if the problems remain, we start to realize that God is with us, that he's powerful, That as Jesus walked this earth, he also had problems. He also had prayers that weren't answered the way he wished they were at the time. But it didn't mean God wasn't ultimate, it doesn't mean he wasn't there. It just changes our perspective. And here's the deal, God wants us to talk to him as a friend and a father, to speak with him from the heart, to respect him and his authority, but at the same time, be willing to unpack our desires, our motives, and respect for who he is. A relationship is what he's after. You know, Jesus' words aren't meant to only teach us how to pray, they're meant to teach us how to live. I remember vividly a time last summer when my daughter Quinn was going to a drama camp and we would drop her off in the morning and pick her up in the afternoon and she would take a lunch with her every day. Now some really smart entrepreneurial person placed this metal money eater known as a vending machine strategically located that as these little children left drama camp and went to the restroom, they would pass this vending machine. And the only kids that knew they needed money every day were the kids that went to camp before. So the first day, we were innocent, it was a wash. But the second day, I knew I had to, this camp was gonna cost me two extra dollars a day so that they could get a snack and a drink. And so sure enough, Quinn asked for money the first day and I'm like, I don't think you need it. What did she say? Daddy, everybody's getting this. And of course, I'm like, okay, dear. And so I dig around to find $2 bills and I hand them to her. We jump in the car and we drive her and we, exit out of the car, we have to walk about four minutes because the drama studio is in a complex, and we get in there and I give her a kiss, I say goodbye, and she says, Dad, I can't find my money. And I'm thinking, it's probably not in the car, it's probably at home, and I know I don't have any money in the car, so I'm like, let me see what I have, and I actually had a $20 bill, believe it or not, it surprised me. And I walked up to the camp counselors. and I said, hey, can anybody break a 20? And nobody could. And so I told her, Quinn, I'm sorry, babe, but you're just gonna have to wait till tomorrow. She looked disappointed and she wasn't sad that she was, when she was sad, she wasn't like pouty. She was like, okay, dad. And so I left and as I was walking out, I remembered, hey, there's a coffee shop here. Maybe I'll slip over there to see if they can make change. It was about a two minute walk away, so it was closer than the car, so I walked over there, made change, walked the money in the Quinn, and she lit up. Her face just lit up, gave her the money, and I walked out. That's not the impressive part of the story. What happened next is really what I needed. As I was walking to the car, I felt God impress on me. I love you more than you love Quinn. <clears throat> and that was a time when I really needed to hear that. I'm not one of those people who say, I always hear from God clearly and all these things. It's, that's a mystery to me as well. But in that moment, this wasn't a thought I generated on my own. It just came. And I needed to hear that because it was a really hard season last summer for us. You know, last summer, we were beginning to start this church. We were planning to launch in November 3rd when it was coming. So we were working a lot my kids there was in the middle of the summer and they didn't have their neighborhood kids that they always played with they were still making relationships that were growing but they didn't have established ones so they were dealing with loneliness and my father-in-law he was diagnosed with a cancer that was going to require an invasive surgery so this was a heavy heavy time in our lives and when i heard those words i was reminded that god cares for me that he sees me in the midst of this And what I really want out of this series is for you to understand that God sees you, knows you and loves you as a good father would. As you read the rest of this prayer, he's made a way for our sins to be forgiven. He makes a way to take care of all of our needs. And friends, he's initiated that invitation to every one of us. And that's amazing. And so I hope you'll join us every week as we continue to unpack this series. In this week in particular, I hope you'll take a step and just say this Lord's Prayer every single day and focus on the paternal nature of God. Do it through a worship song. Google uh, attributes of God found in the Bible and read one scripture a day. You can personalize this however you want. But just please take a moment every day this week to recite this Lord's Prayer and see God as the loving Father who's both intimate, who knows you, but He's ultimate and can take care of you. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the way you love us. Thank you for how you see us. Thank you for how you care for us. And God, thank you that you are doing amazing things in us and through us when we submit our lives to you. God, you're not only intimate, but you're ultimate. You can handle any issue. You don't get tired. You don't grow weary. We can bring every burden to you. We can cast them at your feet and trust you to do what is right not only for ourselves, but for your kingdom that we'll be discussing next week. We love you, God, and we're thankful for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, A question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.